Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. They got down there and, and bowed their neck and, and uh, uh, made made several big I mean big stops. Defense um, played extremely well tonight and it was unfortunate too. We could have had a couple of turnovers, you know, a couple of interceptions there, but um, red zone defense was outstanding. Well, all right. I mean, we got NFL football back last night and we talked about it before. It's a 45 minute rain delay. Danny, did you actually see any of the game? You were flying last night, right? Absolutely I did. Now, I feel like this shot, do you guys remember Saturday Night Live when Horatio Sands used to be, he'd play Osama Bin Laden and he'd be like hunkered down in a bunker. Oh, totally. was, that was the SNL yeah. skit. Like yeah. I feel like that's where I am, like I'm hunkered down in some bunker. You're comparing am, yourself uh, to I'm Osama Bin Laden this morning? I can't even believe on a Friday <laughs> no. morning, what the first that? words out of his mouth were Osama, Osama. Bin Laden. That's no. not in the script. <laughs> That is not the script. I like to go off the script all the time, though. It was an old SNL skit. You guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did. So I got there. I, I was traveling. I'm on my way to College Station to see uh, Texas A&M and Clemson play tomorrow. But I um, – so I was traveling, and I it was actually good. The, the delay, which everybody was complaining about because it kept you guys up late in the East Coast, it actually helped me see more of the game. So I got in about the middle of the second quarter – and it sounds like I didn't miss anything because I did go back and try and tried to watch some on replay. And it was about as ugly as you can. And I think there's a very specific reason. And I don't know if they were talking about it on the broadcast early in the game. But what have we seen all preseason? We've seen teams not playing starters, not playing their quarterbacks. So essentially what you're getting is you're getting a preseason game because these guys have to get up to speed and they're getting up to you know, used to banging on each other, used to playing at full speed, and used to tackling for 60 minutes. I think that's a big reason why the game was so ugly. There was uh, so many three and outs, Danny. The punting, the right at the beginning of the game, Atlanta drives down. It looks good. Everything's great. They go for it on fourth and one in the first quarter. At the fourth and goal from the one, Philly stops them. They play field position, punting back and forth. And all I'm thinking about is... Why am I watching this? It's yeah. so bad, but I couldn't stop. It was like a train wreck waiting for something good to happen. But Ryan Foles, the only guy, only good guy was the running back from the Dolphins. Yeah, Jay Ajayi played while well, you put it in twice. Um, I guess, like that fourth and one, I watched, like admittedly I fell asleep on the game, but I watched the first few drives after the rain delay, um, while I could keep my eyes open. And if, if you kick the field goal there, interestingly enough, you, you don't have that situation potentially at the end of the game. A field goal, uh, would get you into overtime. So um, I thought that was interesting. But, Danny, you kind of touched on something because you've been, and a lot of people have been uh, debating whether or not it's worth playing your starters in preseason games because, obviously, you don't want the injuries. Uh, but this is the product that you wind up getting, and it would probably be even worse than this if you if you really, really limited uh, what, what starters did in the preseason because then you're using actual regular season product that can't be good for the NFL for them to roll out a whole slate of games maybe two games like this trying to get starters up to speed during prime time like game hours you do and that's the problem that the NFL runs into I still contend I'd rather have my guys look a little bit sloppy than be without a couple starters because they got hurt in the preseason there are other ways though you can get guys up to speed though you can practice full in scrimmages where it's a little bit more controlled but yet there's more contact 
and your quarterbacks aren't subject to those hits. Here's the other thing, too, and I can't believe I didn't take the under on this game because always, you see this all the time, defenses are ahead of the offenses because it's much easier to just go out there and say, hey, go get the football, where the offensive side of the ball, there's much more timing involved, there's a rhythm, guys are a little bit more, they have to be fine-tuned, and it's just you have to play more as a cohesive unit where the defense just flies around and tries to knock guys' heads off. And so that was, to me, was the big advantage, and you saw it unfold in the game, was Philadelphia's defense looked, you know, as dominant as they did last year. It was a big reason why they won the Super Bowl, obviously. But for me, a lot of the storyline, too, and I saw some griping from Falcons fans, was, and David, you mentioned that, you know, going for it on, uh, you know, in the red zone earlier. The Falcons were atrocious in the red zone. And I put a lot of that on Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. Julio Jones wasn't on the field for a couple of those critical, uh, uh, red zone attempts. He didn't even get it. And when he was in there, they hardly even tried to throw to him. You've got to get Julio Jones involved in the game. And I know they had the big play. How's this, though? Can you guys please tell me? I thought we figured out the catch rule. Did you guys see the Julio Jones, the huge play that he caught? Like it was a, it was a, you know, like a stop and go. It was a double move and he goes down the field, makes a diving catch and it was bobbled a little bit. But to me, I'm like, yep, that's a catch. And yet the NFL still can't get it right. It's like, are you kidding me with these rules? I thought it was a totally a catch. I didn't, I didn't see that one, but I'll tell you, there was an Austin Hooper play earlier in the game. Uh, it was like a three yard completion. I don't know, it was like first and goal. They, they were at the six yard line and he completely bobbled the ball. Um, it was ruled a catch on the field and they came back. It was inconclusive. So they, they ruled it a catch. So I don't, I think that that rule has made it even more impossible for them to determine what is and what isn't a catch. It's purely going to be what they rule on the field that at the time. time. Correct. And I just yeah. think consistency right. is what you need. We need to figure out how it's going to be applied because when you're watching the game, these catches, these touchdowns, they could impact all of these over under bets that people are making. And it's going to cause some issues with the fans. Hey, look, yeah, Danny, it absolutely is. We talked about the other thing, Rajah. The other thing too is they've really made a point of emphasis, and I think you saw this unfold in the Super Bowl with the, um, I think it was the Ertz catch down in the end for the uh, the game winning touchdown. They're they don't want to overturn the call on the field right. video. They've really tried to say we're going to stick with the call unless it's blatantly obvious. And it was tight. It was tough to see. So I think that was a big one. But guys, I think we're bearing the lead here. Like the moment of the game and really the turning point for the Eagles playing at home was the third down play when they basically ran a version of the Philly special. And my favorite part about it, I'm sure you guys have already seen this, it was the exact play that the Patriots tried to run. And they both look very similar. There's the Philly special and then there's the one that Tom Brady dropped and they, they missed in the Super Bowl. That was the exact same play that the Patriots ran. And Peterson talked about it after the game. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, that they called that game Patriots special. Guys do that. Like, that's what teams do. They steal other concepts, and then they'll incorporate it in the name of the play. And they'll never probably tell you that, but it's fantastic. Lane Johnson, after the game, admitted it was the same play the Patriots used, the one that Tom dropped. This is why I think <laughs> Doug Peterson, low-key, he's such – like, he's an old, you know, he's a veteran-savvy quarterback. I think this was an incredible uh, – like, a troll job for the Patriots. Like saying, I hey, found it depressing, Danny. I found it depressing that Nick Foles looked better as a receiver than he did as a quarterback. Yeah. I think that's going to be a problem for the Eagles going forward because Wentz, he may miss another couple weeks. You're looking at Foles, let's say through four games, that's 25% of your season defending your title, and you'd rather have him catching passes? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you could look at it from that respect. I look at it like Tom Brady wouldn't have made that catch. 
didn't make that catch. Like Nick Foles, and that's like that's that's a question. And I was going to ask it to Danny. It's kind of along the same lines. Like clearly, Nick Foles isn't always going to be the guy that you saw towards the end of last season. But he wins, right? Like he figures out a way to win. And so, you know, I, I said it last year. I know that Carson Wentz is the dude. Like I know that the the most upside is there. The franchise quarterback is Carson Wentz. But Danny, is there any scenario there if this guy reels off three more games while Carson Wentz is out, um, whether he looks good or not? Is there any scenario in which you could have a situation where where it's not that easy to slide Carson Wentz back into the into the starting rotation? So here's the thing about Nick Foles. He is super streaky. And when he's up, he's up like he was in the Super Bowl, which is MVP-type performance. When he's down, it's really, really bad, which you saw not only in the preseason, not only last night, because it was ugly, 19 to 34, only 117 yards. Like, I think that's that's glaringly bad, especially when you're playing at home. He had the one bad interception, had a couple sacks. But last year, if you went back and look at some of his stats last year while he took over for, for Carson Wentz, it was the same story. Like, he was either really good or really bad in in some of those games leading up in the regular season and then in early on in the playoffs, and then he got hot. The the, re, the thing that Nick Foles can succeed with is that defense, and that's where they've got to rely on that defense early in their schedule to help them, and that's what good teams do. And that's that was the story of the Eagles last year was, you know what, it doesn't matter if we lose you know, one of our best offensive linemen. It doesn't matter if we, you know, lose uh, one of our key components, our franchise quarterback. We're all going to play better. The other thing they have going for them, their schedule is pretty easy. They got the home win. Now they travel to Tampa. They should be favorites in that game. They have the Colts at home. They should be favorites in that game. Then they travel to the Titans. So the first, if you can get out of there and go three and one, or, you know, at worst, two and two, you're still okay. Most teams would take that without your starting quarterback. Then the schedule gets a little bit tougher when you got the Vikings, you know, an NFC foe that's gonna, they're gonna be, you know, battling for supremacy in the NFC. So it's all about just kind of, just treading water, keep your head above water, survive, and you can do that with a really good defense. And I guarantee you, one of those games, Nick Foles is gonna have a big game. He's just, I that's worry. who he is. He's a streaky quarterback. I worry too. I worry. But I, and I also worry oh, about you guys, that. You guys sound like everybody last year was like, oh, the Eagles are done. No, Foles no that's not why I worry. I, I worry because Philly fans, I know Philly fans, and if Car- if Carson Wentz comes back, let's say Nick Foles goes 3-1, and one, everything looks good, it's really not his fault they lose the one game. Carson Wentz comes back and they struggle, they sputter because, you know, just a new, new person in there, chemistry is off a little bit. I worry that that creates more of a controversy than it's you need Philly there. Fans. It's Philly fans. Eagle fans. They booed the Eagles at halftime. At yeah. halftime. They booed Santa Claus. They booed, booed Destiny Child. The they booed everybody. Hey, what about Matty Ryan? What about Matty uh, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of, you, yeah, I thought we were just going to gloss over that because I was big on Matt Ryan this yeah. offseason. You think? I'm saying, hey, he, he could contend for the MVP. It's early. Raja, right. it's early. They got to let go. throws weren't sharp, play. Danny. No, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. And I thought he'd be better with some of the weapons he could work with on the outside, you know, um, getting Calvin Ridley in there who, you know, uh, only had two targets thrown his way. You got Mohamed Sanu, who I like. Julio Jones had 10 catches, 169. That's a beast. That's the guy who's got to continue, but he can't be all of the offense. I like the fact that they target him. And the biggest thing for me is the red zone issues, and it's an issue that plagued the, uh, the Falcons last year throughout the season. Steve Sarkeesian has got to figure out a way to get this um, offense going in the red zone to finish drives because you can't settle for field goals, especially when you're playing against a Super Bowl champion. I will say this. Uh, it, it, it is a it is a loss, and it was ugly, 
but it still was against the Eagles in their own backyard. So it, you know, it's 0-1 in the win-loss column, but it's not one that you should write off the season and write off the Falcons because they still, I think they're still going to be okay. All right. Well, so week one coming up, Danny, we've got, look, there are 15 new quarterbacks, uh, you know, that didn't start for their teams in week one last season that'll be starting this year, right? Um, and I guess my question is what, like, what's the most intriguing one to you? You got the Bengals and the Colts, Andrew Luck obviously returning, Bears and Packers, you got Aaron Rodgers coming off the collarbone, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, uh, Kirk Cousins with 49ers and the Vikings. You know, which one of those does it for you? Who are you looking to, uh, to kind of be keeping an eye on in the first week of the season? I mean, you guys know the drill. The game is about the quarterbacks. It really is. And so it's, I'm, I can't wait to see Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck has been out. We've documented a lot on here on the podcast, how many games he's missed, how many surgeries he's had. He's played some in the preseason and he's passed his first test, but his first test was really like a junior high exam. I want to see how he does. Does he get through high school? Does he graduate through college? Where is his arm strength? Because I still haven't seen him cut cut the ball loose. I still haven't seen him adjust his style of play because he's an athletic quarterback. He likes to run around, similar to Carson Wentz, similar to Cam Newton. He likes to make plays with his legs. And yet, every time I watch him play, some quarterbacks have a knack for avoiding contact. He doesn't. He's like that guy that's just a huge target that, for whatever reason, defenses have a tendency to really drill him, and he takes some really vicious hits. Does he adjust that? So I'll, I can't wait to watch him play week one uh, versus the Bengals. Jimmy G, that's another one. Jimmy Garoppolo came in with this, you know, gets the new contract. The John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan put their full faith in him. They say he's our guy. He's only played five games, and it starts in week one versus the Vikings. I want to see if he lives up to the hype. And then there's one more for you. I think I think Kirk Cousins, who Jimmy Garoppolo is playing against, has a tremendous amount of pressure on him. But there's a young quarterback in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. He's getting the keys to a Lamborghini. And now, does he go out there and does he get you know does he does he take it and wreck it off the highway because he's he doesn't know how to drive it yet? Or you know can he can he go out there and have some fun and you know and showcase the skills and have a blast driving some because that offense has weapons all over the place. And the thing Andy Reid said was, hey, I want to take this offense to the next level. I don't want to check down, check down Charlie as my quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is going to give you those big plays. I'm just wondering, does he give you some of those, you know, early quarterback mistakes too? And how much does it cost the Chiefs? Danny, I'm taking notes and I just want to make sure what you said. I want to get it exactly right. You said it's all about the quarterbacks <laughs> unless you're Nick Foles and then it's all about the defense. I'm just yes. making, do I have that right? You do. If okay. you have a top tier, <laughs> top caliber defense, you can, but Nick Foles is good when he's on, he's top five. When he's off, he's bottom 60. Like he's not even a good backup when he's off. Um, five. What's up? I had a weird thing <laughs> in my ear. Super Bowl MVP. What more do you want? Um, hey, look, let's touch on, we didn't touch on Le'Veon Bell yet, but what do you think? What's your gut say? Uh, I think Le'Veon is going to, See, I think his agent is giving him bad advice because, I mean, we saw his guys come out and bash him, which we haven't seen before. Um, I think he's trying to get out of the Pittsburgh. I think he either wants to be cut, which is not going to happen. I think his agent wants to try to shop him around to see if there's a potential trade out there. Or the third option is wait until week 11 when, he, you know, he has to play in order to get uh, achieve free agency in the offseason. I just don't look at, I look at this, the more you hear from the teammates in the locker room, the more I wonder how much pressure it's putting on Le'Veon. Cause usually because players don't speak out on that, 
you have a lot of leverage. And you could say, hey, man, the team needs me. They're desperate for me. Now that they've spoken out and said, nah, we're good without him, the Steelers are like, all right, if our team's good with it, you can sit out as long as you want. So I think he's going to lose out on a ton of money this season. But I do think eventually he'll get paid. And it's just kind of the harsh business of the NFL that you're seeing uh, unfold with Le'Veon. Yeah, I hope they get that figured out. Um, loses every penny. Oh, see, you would. Anyway, let's go to break. Coming up next, we got uh, college football breakdown week two. Uh, Dabo and Jimbo go at it. Um, we'll cover all of that uh, on Off the Bench with Cannell and Bell and sometimes Samson. So the preseason wasn't particularly pretty, but we did get to watch some fascinating storylines develop on NFL Game Pass. Uh, if you had NFL Game Pass, you got to watch every out-of-market preseason game live. Uh, we saw number one pick Baker Mayfield showcase his skills. We saw Sam Darnold earn the Jets' starting job. We saw struggles from Josh Allen in his week three start. And we saw dreams made in week four. As I go back to prep for the season, I'm replaying games even after they've aired. Whoever I want to evaluate, I use NFL Game Pass. Even though I'm out of market, I can go back and watch any game I want. We saw a glimpse of Saquon Barkley. We witnessed John Gruden's return to Oakland. We got the chance to see Super Bowl rematch, all with NFL Game Pass. Look, I got four kids. Our weekends get busy. But I can't wait to watch replays of regular season games that I miss on Sunday. Best of all, you can kick off the 2018 NFL season with the seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash off the bench. Game on. All right, Danny. Um... David, Roger. we uh, week two college football season. Um, I would, I would say there's probably not as much smoke as there was in the in the first week. Like there were some really really big games, but there's still some good games out there. And so you got number two Clemson uh, going up against your guy Jimbo um, in College Station. And I want to touch on on Dabo, who's got these two quarterbacks. They both played in week one. They beat Furman forty eight seven. They got Kelly Bryant, who's the returner. He was eleven for seventeen, one hundred thirty two yards, one TD, forty four rushing yards. And then there's a kid that you you seem to really like, Danny. And I think, if I'm not putting words in your mouth, uh, they probably have a higher ceiling with Trevor Lawrence. He was nine for fourteen, one hundred thirty seven yards, three TDs. So I guess the question is, like, when you're playing a a, a better quality opponent, right? Not taking anything mm-hmm. away from Furman, but do you roll with both of these guys? Uh, do you play one? Uh, like, how do you approach that? Trust me, you're not taking away anything from Furman. They're just not as good as Clemson. That was right. ugly. Um, yeah, Dabo said they're both going to play in this game. And you, do you remember my national champion pick? Do you remember what I said? I don't remember half the stuff you said, bro. So Whoever Clemson, wins. <laughs> but there was an asterisk. You remember oh, that's the right. asterisk? Yeah. It's if Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. I do feel, and this is, this is crazy because we've never seen situations unfold like this where you've got teams who had an unbelievable amount of success. You had it with Bama going to the championship. They're making a change at quarterback. You're seeing Georgia. They go to the championship uh, game and lose. They're considering playing another quarterback in Justin Fields and Clemson went to the playoff, lost, and they're thinking about making a change with a quarterback who got him there. It is a tough time to be a quarterback. You better be good and you better be ready for competition or else there's going to be somebody breathing down your neck. I do think that um, that the young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is a better passer. But I think what Dabo's going to do, he's going to let it unfold in the field by playing them both and see who rises to the top. And ultimately, I do think that'll be Trevor Lawrence. 
That's really tricky for me, though. That's really tricky because if plan either Raja, what happens if they both if they both produce and play well in in different like yeah, one runs better, one passes better. But what if they're both really effective? You just let this thing it lingers. You need a leader. Yeah, quarterback is a leader on the team. And for me, going in with two, it's like going in and saying, yeah, in baseball or in basketball, we've got two number ones on our team. We've got two point guards. We're going to split time. Doesn't work. I need a I need a guy running the floor who the offense is going through. Yeah. I agree. Danny, I want to talk about... You're right. There is a... I mean, it's widely held saying in football, too. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But typically, when when that adage is used, it's that you have two average quarterbacks and one doesn't shine, wasn't rise to the top as a leader. In these cases, you have two really good quarterbacks in all these teams. But you're trying to find the outstanding, the excellent guy who's going to bring you a national championship as opposed to just getting you to the playoffs. So that... I agree with you guys, though, and I've said it multiple times here on the pod. You've got to figure out in the fourth quarter, those teammates, those guys on offense, need to know who's going to be my guy, who's going to lead them down the field. And ultimately, all these teams that are playing games with quarterbacks, they need to find the answer to that question. Guys, can we talk about Jimbo? I've been thinking about this a lot. He was so successful, and now he went to coach a team. They haven't won 10 games in five or six years. And I'm wondering to myself – was it a straight money grab? Would you have done it, Raja? Would you have done it, Danny? For $75 million over 10, would you have coached in the California Penal League? Allow me to introduce myself. Yes. Like, right? I am, yeah, I would coach anywhere for $75 million over 10 years. Like, I, yeah, I would. But, but he left. I, I went to Florida State. And if there's some other school offered me 75 mil, I'd say, see you later. Let's go Texas A&M. It's, I mean, it's a part of the business. It's a lot of money. And Florida State was offered him a lot of money too. But Jimbo, he's, he's always been flirting with other teams. I think that's what frustrated Florida State fans is that he always wanted something bigger and felt like there was something better, a better challenge and bigger, you know, opportunity to make more money and have better facilities. And that's why he bounced. So I think all of us would be crazy to think, ah, we wouldn't take the money because we'd be principled. But $75 million guaranteed, that's a tough one to turn out, turn down. So look, Chip Kelly out there in UCLA also got a little bag of cash. Um, they took a tough one on the chin to Cincy, 26 to 17. They got Oklahoma, which is like a scary prospect, um, coming in. Well, uh, Chip Kelly started at Oregon. He lost his first game at Oregon, uh, in 09, but then he wound up winning 46 of the next 52 games. Uh, I don't see that happening in UCLA, but after losing Wilton Spate, right? Like, what does it look like there for Chip? Do you just go with the young fella and try to groom him? Um, but what, what do you see out there in, in, in Westwood? I think it's going to be a long year, uh, for Chip Kelly and he's trying to change an entire culture. He's trying to bring an entirely different offense. Oh, by the way, he doesn't have Josh Rosen, who was a first-round pick at quarterback, so he's scrambling to find a quarterback to figure out who fits his system. There's a reason Oklahoma is a 30-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. UCLA is going to be in for a long year. The win total uh, for UCLA coming into the season was five wins. I think that might be – I think Chip Kelly, if you told him right now, I'll give you five wins, he would take it. I think it's just going to be one of those learning curves. It's, it's funny, though, in Los Angeles – and at UCLA specifically, you kind of fly under the radar as far as, you know, hot seat and, you know, how much pressure is on you. And I think that's one of the reasons Chip Kelly took the job. Uh, you know, he's making a boatload of money. He lives in a great city. Most of these college jobs, you have to live in a tiny college town. And I think, you know, he's just, it's going to be a, he gets a pass basically for this one year to kind of implement some of those changes. But I don't think, I think it's going to get uglier before it gets better. You know, <clears throat> when you think about that game, 
what's interesting, we keep talking about multiple quarterbacks. We talk about these big point spreads in college football. It makes it so difficult. For me, Oklahoma giving 30 and a half, it's not enough. You saw it, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking that line was going to be in the 40s. So yeah, people just get scared of that. Especially, too, what you saw last time, what Oklahoma did in week one against FAU. I mean, their offense didn't miss a beat with Kyler Murray. So I'm with you. I think Oklahoma is going to have a monster day, and UCLA is not going to be able to stop them or score many points. So I'm with you. You talked about UCLA flying under the radar. A lot of that, I mean, has to do with their pro teams, but it's it's also because you have USC right across the way, um, and a lot of the attention is usually on them. So they they started a freshman, JT Daniels, who was solid in his debut, but they got Stanford this weekend, um, and we talked about Bryce Love possibly being a, a a leading candidate to win the Heisman. Like he struggled mightily against San Diego State. What do you attribute that to? You think he gets it rolling this week? What do you think that game looks like? So what I attribute to is this is going to be the game plan for every single team they face is going to be to stop Bryce Love. And that's the way defenses are going to be. But that presents some opportunities in other areas. And the good thing for Stanford is they got that out of K.J. Costello. Their quarterback had a monster day. Their receiver, J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside, had uh, uh, three touchdown catches. He had a monster day. So you saw some of these other positions develop, which is good for Stanford. Like I think they'll be more balanced and they'll be a better offense if Bryce Love doesn't have to carry the entirety of the offense on his back. But he probably will have to. <laughs> yeah, so it would be nice probably. if he didn't, but he probably does. Yeah. The other I game that... I'm not riding on this game. I have USC in my playoff pick, so I need USC to go on the road with a true freshman and knock them off. But playing on the road, like you talk about hostile environments, Stanford, not one of them. <laughs> so you've got <laughs> USC. Be, if you have USC, Raj and I are taking Stanford. Thank you for that guaranteed win. <laughs> Listen, there you go. Take the money. The other game, I love it when a team is ranked third and they're favored on the road against a ranked team. That's tough. A double-digit favorite. I'm talking, of course, about Georgia going to South Carolina, having to lay 10 on the road. It always makes me nervous. And we were talking about, before we went on air, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields. Danny, when you look at their last games, you know, you can talk about their stats, what Fromm did, what Fields did. What's the one key you're looking at in that Georgia game? For Georgia, it's about stopping South Carolina's offense. They got a pretty good young quarterback. He's not even young anymore. He's in his third year. And Jake Bentley, he's a, he's a really impressive young quarterback. South Carolina's in that spot where the SEC East is wide open behind Georgia. And there has to be some other team that steps up. South Carolina's trying to do it at home. They looked pretty impressive in week one. I'm with you, David, on this one. I think that's a huge number for Georgia to be in a spot to go into Columbia. To expect to, you know, I think it'll be a closer game than people think. Uh, but I think again, it's with Georgia, it's trying to figure out which quarterback you're going to roll with. Is it going to be Jake Fromm or Justin Fields? And out of all these quarterbacks, I think Jake Fromm has the biggest beef of saying, I, I, I did, I played great as a true freshman. You guys need to give me this job. But Justin Fields is dual threat. He's a fascinating quarterback and he's got to play well. So he's going to have to, you know, every quarterback out there is going to have to watch his back, it seems, all season long. I'm right. taking the points, Raja. You're taking the points? Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I like that because that takes us right to the next segment. We're going to move the line a little bit and do some of these. Uh, let's start with the NFL game. So you got the Steelers laying four at the Browns. Um, how, how you bet that with no Le'Veon Bell, right? And you got Josh Gordon possibly on a, on a pitch count or a play count. What do you got on that one, Danny? Uh, this is good. So this move, line moved three points. The Steelers were a touchdown favorite. No Le'Veon Bell takes them down to four. I actually still like the Steelers in this spot. Minus four. I say take it. I don't think Le'Veon is that much of a difference. I think James Conner is going to showcase his skills. That offensive line wants to prove, hey, it's not it's not all about El Bell. It's about us. So I actually like the Steelers one as a four-point favorite. There will be no Budweiser 
in Cleveland this weekend. Dang. <laughs> All right, but the Steelers right. cover the four? Do they cover the four? You got them covering the four? Oh, I'm taking – I will never take the Browns. Okay, They're cool. going 0-32. So, Raza, you know what David's referencing, right? So they have a deal. They have a whole thing of Budweiser chained up, and they're not going to open it until they win. So, yeah, that thing's staying shut. Good call, Dave. Yeah, I'm flying to Cleveland every Sunday just to participate. Just in, in case. Yeah, just, just in case. <laughs> um, I'll take – you know what? I'm going to take the Browns in this one. I'm going to take the Browns to win. I think they're going to come out. And you've talked Even, about, I think I'm going to take them. Yeah. What do you call that? Money line. I got the Browns beating the Steelers. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's keep it moving. <laughs> we got the Bucks at Saints. They're factoring in obviously no Jameis Winston. Um, but it's nine and a half. Is that too big of a number? And what you got? Heck yeah. It's too big of a number. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be fine. He's throwing to Mike Evans. Uh, he's got weapons across the board to Sean Jackson. I like the Bucks to cover in this one. I, I think that's a huge number for the NFL. I like the Saints to win, but I think it's a closer game than that. I think you, you're better off taking the team that you think is going to win and ignoring the point spread. I like the Saints in this game, so I'm willing to give the nine and a half. All right, I hear you. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take the. Mm, I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm rolling with you, David. Time. I'm taking the Saints. The Saints are the better team. Dude. I'm not worried about minutes left. Not worried about any numbers. All right, Bears at Packers. Packers giving up seven and a half. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and company. I like David's philosophy. If you like the team to win, just roll with them. Playing the point. I'm going to take the Packers here. I think they cover the seven and a half. A lot of excitement with the Bears playing at Lambeau, though. I think the Packers are going to run away with this one. You got a rivalry <clears throat> issue, which makes me smile because the rivalry is only good when the two teams are good. Correct. And right now, the Packers are the better team, so I am staying with Lambeau, loving Lambeau, Green Bay, Green Bay. All right, let's pick up the pace, dudes. You guys are so long-winded. We're gonna get to college football. All right, uh, we've got USC at Stanford. Stanford uh, giving up six and a, six, six even. My bad. USC. You what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, with too. I'm taking the true freshman quarterback, JT Daniels, on the road. I got USC in the playoffs, so I need him to win this game. So I might be stubborn, but I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna stick with it. Stanford six at Stanford. I'm taking Stanford. I fade you both. Um, Clemson, um, giving up 12 to Texas A&M. A&M. Yeah, I thought this number was way too big when it opened. I thought it'd be closer to a touchdown or 10 points. So I'm gonna go with Texas A&M too. All right, I'm gonna take Texas A&M, and then Michigan State giving up six at Arizona State. Magic Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State. Ugly week one win, but they still won against Utah State. Arizona State, we have no idea how they're going to be with Herm Edwards at the helm. Uh, at the helm. Michigan State's going to win this one uh, by touchdown or more easy. All right, all jokes aside, Danny, thanks for joining us, bro. I know it's early oh. out there in Houston. Um, way to knock it out of the park. Coming up next, we'll have Brian Campbell joining us on Skype. We'll break down some of this UFC stuff um, and then some socially relevant. All of that up next. Enjoy your trip, Danny, on Off the Bench with Canel and Bell and sometimes David. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Um, we've got a guest with us. We've got Brian Campbell who's joining us to break down uh, everything that's going on in the fight world right now. Um, he's a CBS Sports Combat Sports writer. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at BCampbellCBS. Uh, so, Brian, welcome, man. Oh, fired up to be back. Raja, like the great 90s classic movie Half-Baked, when I call into Off the Bench, I want to talk to Samson. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love, love it. it. Love it. All right. So look, we got, um, UFC 228 this week. So Darren, Darren, T what, Darren Till, Tyron Woodley is the main event from Dallas. Um, and we're one month away from McGregor Khabib. And in the boxing world, you got Danny Garcia set to face Shane Porter. So, um, I guess what do you expect to see out of that Darren, um, uh, and Tyron Woodley? I mean, yeah, about this weekend. Sorry, brother. Yeah. Look, it, 
if you're only a casual MMA fan, you've never heard of Darren Till. This is UFC fast tracking him to a title shot to find out really if he's the next Conor McGregor. The similarities are really close. Till from England, big puncher, southpaw, very big for the welterweight division, very outspoken, confident fighter, can walk you down and get you out of there. Calls himself the gorilla, but he's getting an opportunity. A lot of people don't believe he deserves. He missed his weight in his last fight by four pounds. He won a very close hometown decision that a lot of people didn't think he deserved. He's going in there against the reigning champion, Tyron Woodley, the veteran who's been off for a full year. But Woodley at 36 has become almost this Floyd Mayweather figure in UFC, where he's figuring out how to win fights the easiest way possible with the lowest amount of energy exerted. He's a very high IQ fighter. There certainly is a high combustibility in this fight. We really could see action. But what UFC is rolling the dice on is Darren Till the next big thing. They're going to roll him out there at age 25 to find out. You know, you talk about having the next McGregor, yet next time, in you know, under a month, we're bringing McGregor back. So we don't need a McGregor again because we actually still have him. What do we got on that fight, McGregor against Nurmagomedov? You know, it's been very, very quiet, which has been surprising. The rumor is Conor McGregor not willing to do a whole ton of media as we get closer to that October 6th date. In a lot of ways, guys, this fight sells itself. It's already being called before it even happened. The biggest fight in MMA history. We're talking about predictions of 2 million buys on pay-per-view. Dana White said maybe even three. Now, you consider the pay-per-view record for UFC and MMA is 1.65. You can see that this is a big fight. But they're going to have to do some media. They're going to have to continue to tell this story, which is a natural one. It's not only the former champion of McGregor coming off of a two-year break, trying to go back and win his belt against the unbeaten guy who has it right now. And let's remember, McGregor never lost that belt. He was stripped of it due to inactivity. But certainly that juicy storyline of what went down in April at UFC 223 when McGregor threw the dolly through the window trying to attack Nurmagomedov. This is a natural grudge match. Yes, it sells itself, but hey, guys, get on TV, do a media tour, do something, because this could be a cultural event. You know, Nurmagomedov, unbeaten, Russian, very popular fighter. We all know about McGregor. This one is going to be fun, guys. How do you say that again, Nurmagomedov? I love it. I love the fact that it's a cultural event. That's, that's I'm all in for that. Fantastic. All right, let's, let's switch gears and go to some boxing. you got to open welterweight world championship, um, and you got two former uh, title holders going at it, Danny Swift Garcia and Showtime Sean Porter. What's your prediction for that one? You know, my prediction is violence and fireworks. This is going to be a fun fight in Brooklyn on Saturday at the Barclays Center. And for anybody who's casually watched welterweight boxing and says, you know, I get sucked in, but then I see Floyd Mayweather dance around and nobody gets hit. You're going to see action in this one. Both of these guys did lose to Keith Thurman. He's the inactive, injured welterweight champion at the moment in the past two years. But due to inactivity, his WBC title is now vacant. These two guys, elite welterweights, are going to fight for it. So what do you expect? You expect a fight in the center of the ring. Danny Garcia, one of the best counterpunchers in all of boxing, a big left hook. It's almost like a finishing move in WWE. When he sets up that looping left hook and hits you, you go out cold. And the reason why this fight's going to be so fun, he's going to be standing there. And if you haven't seen Showtime Sean Porter fight, imagine an NFL running back. Imagine Le'Veon Bell if he was actually on the field running in head and elbow first, not caring if he's dirty, trying to make it a brawl. The best way to tame a brawler, guys, and discipline him is hit him with something that that makes him think about it. We're going to probably see that in round one, right, when these two bulls collide. I'm fired the heck up. 
I hope you are too, Raja. <laughs> well, I had no idea you were fired up. <laughs> no idea. But no, seriously, because now I might tune into this UFC 228. So real quick, is there anything else on that undercard um, that a casual fan like myself should be looking for that might be exciting? You know, there's a women's championship out in the flyweight division. Valentina Shevchenko trying to win the title from unheralded champion Nico Montano. That's an interesting bout there. There's a couple personalities on there, but really, don't look past that main event, Woodley Till, the old champion Woodley, trying to enter himself into that pantheon of greatest welterweight champions with George St. Pierre, GSP, and Matt Hughes, and the new kid on the block, Darren Till. But you got some rising names. Watch out for Jessica Andrade, the women's strawweight, former title challenger. She's a brawler. She comes to fight. She's not only trying to get in your kitchen, she's trying to take your soul. She wins that fight, she's going to be back into a title shot against Rose Nama Yunus. So tune into that one. We got some big fights coming up. Come on, let's do this. Raja, the Kobe stopper. I love it. Let's talk about this. <laughs> We're doing it. Brian, thank you. Can't wait to see your predictions come true. Thanks for being here. Hey, David, you you got a raw deal on Survivor. I'll just say that. It's another CBS <laughs> problem. I appreciate it. Thank you. Remember, if you don't win, it's okay. All right. Really? <laughs> Coming up next, let's toss it to Hannah and get some socially relevant in here. Hannah, what you got? I don't know how to follow that. Brian was so <laughs> fired up. <laughs> you know who's not fired up right now? Jonah Hill. The poor guy was just walking down the street wearing a Suns jersey. But sadly, this jersey was tucked into dress pants, which I have a problem with. The Pavs got him looking fresh. Then Twitter just absolutely roasted him for this entire outfit. The Suns were the first to tweet it out saying, quote, big mood. Then someone else tweeted, Steve Nash really let himself go. I mean, the tweets continued <laughs> all day. So, guys, I just have to ask, who do you think wore it better, Raja or Jonah? <laughs> Are you sure that Jonah wasn't filming a movie? Uh, no, I'm not I'm not sure of any of that. was my first question, He could have been. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, why the hell would you tuck a jersey into some dress pants? <laughs> He's trolling you. The, the only thing I can think of. The Gucci belt doesn't even save it. What's a Gucci belt, right? Was that a Gucci belt? I, I thought I saw so. some green and red. Do you have the it. same tattoos Jonah has? I, I, I didn't mind the, <laughs> the ink and the haircut was alright. Um, and he's looking slim, like he's slim again, which is, which is, I mean, I guess that's cool, right? Like, cause that's what he's going for, but. Slim Jonah. Slim Jonah with the tuck. I think you looked way better in the jersey. I appreciate it. I'm just gonna say, and I don't mean that in any weird way. I appreciate it. You looked much better. (laughs) But Jonah's funnier. Jonah, Jonah is funnier. It's debatable. Unless. I haven't got my shot. All right, so we are jumping over to baseball now. So Nationals reliever Sean Doolittle likes to have some fun even on the field. He recently said that he likes celebrations so much on the diamond that he encourages them. So he wants to use them to donate to charity. Doolittle said that if you homer off of him and the MLB finds you, he will actually take that percentage and and match it and donate that to charity. He continues to stress that the celebrations make the game more fun for everyone, including the fans. But you guys, he did clarify that he obviously does not want people to hit a homer off of him. But if they do, do you guys think he's going to hold up his end of the deal and actually donate to charity? Hannah, he will do that, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. He'll do it only up to $10,000. For a player to get fined for a bat flip, it has to be so crazy. I love where his head's at here. I really do. But I think that he should have found a better way to put fun into the game. Yeah. Because if I'm running that team, I don't want charity based on my guy giving up home runs. True. And then having bat flips. I think there would have been a better way for him to do it. Plus, he's not on the field. Other right. than that, it's it's been a perfect PR ploy. Um. I figured you'd have some kind of angle which took away the fun from this, right? Like I, think, I love. Like it, I know you said you were like, yeah, I support it, and then you were kind of like, yeah, but I because I why want, can't it? Just I love be great? fun. I have fun with you. I love fun. <laughs> I like it. I mean, but it's, I'm with you. Like, what what kind of bad flip 
would get a fine? Like how badly? What, like what would you have to throw it in the stands essentially to get a fine, right? I can't even – there's no bat flip in the stands. That's a bat throw. No, but I'm saying though, like just a generally anybody flipping a bat, you're there's not no, going to get fined. There's fine, no fine for so that. So there's no real – Contribution to That's charity. That's all the so. horse with no carriage. Oh, right. That whole thing is not very socially relevant, Hannah. The next one, sorry, maybe. I'm sorry. All right, you know who's not having fun in baseball right now? The Detroit Tigers announcers. So play-by-play man Mario Mpemba and color commentator Rod Allen have been calling the Tigers games together for over a decade now, but apparently things got a little messy this week. According to reports, the duo had some sort of, quote, physical altercation following the Tigers game against the White Sox on Tuesday. Reports called this an attack. Apparently the tension from different broadcasting styles, and they had a hard time smoothing some things over after that. So I know that, David, that you've talked about, you, you witnessed a fight before. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we've, we've had teammates fight. We've had people in the broadcast truck, broadcasters. Remember that you're together so much. You've had it. You've had fights in the clubhouse, haven't sure, you? Sure, yeah. Just think about it, right? Someone's going to piss you off. They're going to look at you wrong. You're going to be in a grumpy, bad mood. Your coffee had too much sugar in it. There's it's stuff that happens now. with girlfriends and wives all oh, the time. Yeah. That's a cause of fights very often. I've seen players punch each other because – one, it's it's really like Major League where there's sex going on with a girlfriend or a wife and you didn't know it was a girlfriend or a wife. So who knows what went on here? <laughs> yeah, I would want to – I really want to know. I Like broadcasting styles don't get you to like fisticuffs. So, so there's, there's something else going on. Something, something. But generally speaking, like if their baseball team showed as much fight as their announcers did, maybe they'd have some action. I mean that's just – It's hard to watch a team stink for so many years. Okay. Maybe that's what they were fighting about, the fact that they just have to sit there for three hours watch every bad day baseball. watch bad baseball. No, I mean you guys have seen their rooms. Their rooms are tiny. They look a little bit like your podcast studio room right now. And to do it every day, I mean, what do you? <laughs> I would never house. fight with yeah, Roger. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> it would all be right. the fastest fight ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for socially relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up, the guys are breaking down today's leftovers. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. I love that. I love that little. I don't know why. I, Makes me hungry for pizza. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Um, all right, so let's get to leftovers, dude. We got uh, speaking of pizza, um, BMW Championship. Tiger out in the lead, sharing it with Roy McIlroy, eight under. Like he lit the He's world back. fire. He looked good yesterday. It was best. It was his lowest round since uh, what was it? Like two thousand and seven, something or other. But he looked good. He brought his old putter back. Um, his distance control was on. He was playing with Rory and Jordan Spieth. And not Rory, I'm sorry. He's playing with Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler, which, you know, I think is a, is a measuring stick of sorts. And he looked really good yesterday, so I'm kind of excited. So all I want to know is in 16 minutes when he tees off, are you going to be looking at the inside of your eyelids or are you going to be watching him tee off? Dude, I am t- putting, like, PGA Tour live on as soon as I get in the car. And I'll just plug it into, like, you know, I like the Bluetooth hit it. So I won't watch until I get home, but I will listen to the first hole or two, like, via the car radio on my way home. I'm not missing a single stroke. You are so convincing. I am sorry. I'm, I'm listening. Not a chance. I, what? what? Not one chance. You're going to get home, take out the garbage, and go night. So you saw me send the text to my wife right before we came it on here. It was beyond belief. That I need, like, when he's saying, like, nine... Eight. I'm like texting. Please have the boys take the garbage We're out. Trying to be professional here, and you're talking garbage. Is there any chance that my boys take the garbage out? There's none. Zero. It's a zero percent chance. My dad is Rajah Bell. I don't take garbage out. Those little suckers. They're so spoiled. It's it's ridiculous. You've done a great job, though. It, all right. So look, thank you, brother. Like, hey. You don't even know my kids. They are poop butts. 
like poop butts. Good kids, great students, great athletes, but real talk, their world is like really accommodating and they're spoiled little dudes. It's small, their world. Unreal. Um, all right, let's move on to Shotei, Shohei Otani, right? Uh, he suffered a new, new damage to his UCL. Why would you have him out there if it was already damaged? You know, we talked about this yesterday on the queue and I didn't get everything out that I wanted to get out. What are the Angels doing? They brought him back to see whether he could pitch, to see if he's good for the rotation in 19, and now they're saying he has new damage. We set it immediately with the grade two sprain, Tommy John. Have him do the Tommy John, and then he could have hit the entire 19 season. Right. Now he's out till May or June at best. I just think they've totally messed up the situation with Otani. They've wasted Trout's years. They haven't won a playoff series. They had Josh Hamilton for a while. They're a disaster. Yeah, that's a mess. It's terrible. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in leftovers, so we're going to move on. But no, let's not. Come on, let's man. not move on because I want to ask you, like, what is it? Like, how much of it is the club's responsibility to protect a player from himself? So, for instance, one hundred percent. Right? Do you think Otani wants to play? He's a player. It's his first year in the majors. Like, he wants to prove, show, and prove. But it's your job as a medical staff, as a front office group. Like, it's your job to prevent him and protect your asset. Right? There's no such thing as voodoo medicine, praying that the UCL will cure itself. I'm telling you, a tear. Tell you a story. Tear. Tell you a story. Do you have a voodoo story? Tell you a story. I do. I do. I played for the Virgin Islands national team uh, for a lot of years, right? Because I wasn't good enough to play for the USA uh, team. And Virgin Islands is where I'm from. So we're playing in Maracaibo, Venezuela uh, against a Cuban national team who, by the way, like they were all grown men. They were fantastic. We were like 17 years old. So I come down and I do something really bad to my knee. I'm scared to death because I got a college season to play for. We have a trainer of sorts. Right, but he's not. I don't know that he's a certified trainer. They, his Definitely name was not certified. he was Rastafarian, and his name is Ari Ari. Right, so I am laying on his. We have no stim machines, no real electronic ways of giving me any kind of treatment. But he's got this bag around his neck of like crystals, right? And so he takes his bag off, and I'm I'm modern medicine, right? I've been at, at FIU and Boston University. I'm used to stim, and he takes this bag, and he just like this. He takes it over my knee. Right. And I guess like some of this is made up. Some of it's clockwise, counterclockwise. Like he does whatever he does with that bag. Sends me on my way. David, I couldn't walk. David, the next day I was fine. So no. don't tell me there's no voodoo medicine. Now I listen. It's a miracle. Okay. You think you're, you, you mock me. No, no. Mock no, me. no. I'm mocking Ari Ari. You're mock, don't mock Ari Ari. Ari Ari, Ari had Ari. me playing basketball the next day. He's doing a spleef and then coming in and doing a bag over your knee and everything's okay. <laughs> he also gave me a chiropractic adjustment that I, I was worried that I'd never. You know, that's your back, right? That's, it was like my neck. Okay. My sister was, was. The miracle is that you donned an NBA jersey after that. After that is a miracle. Um, let's keep, like, Todd Frazier, talk to me about that. You love this. He admits to duping an umpire. Apparently, like, he chased a foul ball over the dugout. I thought he caught it, but then you see another ball kind of spill out of like a purse or a bag or Look something like video. that. Careful. The ball's out. He now takes a kid's rubber ball. Where do you there see the ball come ball out? Falls. Right there. You don't see that? <laughs> I'm telling you, you gotta look better at your balls because here comes the rubber one. Ready? Ball. There's the rubber one. Right. That's there. the rubber one. Where? Where does Ready? he have time? Uh-huh. That ball falls. He takes his right hand, grabs, stands up. The umpire's sleeping. There's the baseball or the rubber ball. No, that's the rubber ball. But look, what he does baseball. right back in the stands. I think he may be disciplined for this because he admitted he did it. Really? I actually am okay with the fact that he got away with this. It's the hidden ball trick, but it's not a real ball. So it's sort of dangerous that he did it. I'm glad he admitted it. It's fun, but 
it would be as though you you dunk with a Nerf ball and pretend it's a real ball in the NBA. You think you get fined for that? Seriously? I think there's a chance, but not a Sean Doolittle charitable fine. Um, I know you're a movie guy, right? Yes. I want to go down like your favorite sports movies. I know it's cheesy, but I like to do it with you because I want to break it down. I want to go favorite football movie. Ah, can we talk about Burt Reynolds' The Longest Yard? Oh my God! Come rest in peace, Burt. Burt. Burt passed. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. A minute for Burt. Feel a little overclamped. You only have ten seconds. I'm a little, a little overclamped. I yeah. Love when you speak mm-hmm. Yiddish. You're connected. It's like, oh my, yeah, God. you like that, right? You learned that from Mike Myers. <laughs> um, any given Sunday, mine. Uh, best basketball movie. Fast Break with Gabe Kaplan. What? Fast Break. What is Fast Break? I'm not saying more because we don't have time. Maybe All right. tomorrow. I'm going to go Blue Chips with uh, Nick Nolte, Shaq, Penny. Um, who else was in that? I don't know. Uh, best baseball movie. All right, this is one you should be. I, I have to go Field of Dreams because I cry every time, and I still watch it. I watch it four or five times a year. I'm going to say the one with Tom Hanks and, and – League of Their Own. The League of Their Own. Yeah, there's like no crying that. in baseball. There is no crying there in baseball. There is no crying in baseball. Uh, I actually cried at the end of that movie when they went into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there is some crying in baseball then apparently. I enjoyed that movie too. Um, anyway, uh, Michael Kendricks pleads guilty to insider trading. I saved this for last because I really want to talk about it. It's a damn shame. Just um, don't do insider trading. If someone calls you and says say buy no. a stock, just don't do it. Promise my me. My financial advisor. No. No? Definitely Don't not. buy any stock. Don't buy. Just freeze all assets. I want you doing the show. Fair enough.